recent memo from the Trump administration referred to certain kinds of diversity and inclusion training as anti-American propaganda. We've talked about that memo on this program last week. The memo promised more guidance for agencies, and now agencies got that guidance, this time in the form of an executive order. The EO bans certain types of training the administration deems divisive. The EO is baffling some federal employment attorneys, and it's raising all kinds of other questions about what existing training programs can or cannot continue. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco joins me now with more. Nicole, just remind us what the EO says and what are some of the examples that they cite of this type of training that's going on, they say, in government. Yeah, so Tom, the EO came out uh, last week, and generally speaking, the EO describes eight divisive concepts and pretty much says that any kind of training, either a program that is developed internally within an agency, a program that the agency has purchased from a contractor, or any program that a contractor, anyone that does business with the government is implementing for its own employees. If any of those training programs touch any one of these quote unquote divisive concepts, it can't happen under this executive order essentially. And if it does, if an employee does promote or authorize training that, you know, the administration finds unacceptable, the employee can be disciplined and potentially brought, you know, forward with some sort of adverse action. I think that's the big takeaway. The Office of Management and Budget put out some more guidance on this EEO just the other day. And they mentioned that each agency is supposed to appoint a political appointee to oversee implementation of the EO. And it'll be up to that appointee to determine pretty much what training is kosher and what's not under this executive order. Yes, some of the theories that they don't want to be included include, well, keywords, they call them, critical race theory, white privilege, intersectionality, racial humility, and unconscious bias, I think, are among the list of eight that you mentioned. They are. They are, as is, I think, systematic racism. And, you know, you know, we were talking about this executive order, I think, at great length over the past week. And, you know, if you see some of the training programs that the military is putting out, even recently, I think some of those programs might include some of those key word terms that are mentioned in this OMB memo. So I think it'll be interesting to see what continues and what doesn't. But to get back to examples of whether or not this training is occurring. So, Tom, I know you were interested in whether or not there were specific examples that promoted, as the administration described, anti-American propaganda. And, you know, we asked OMB, I think, last week for some examples and didn't hear back. But since then, OMB had set up an email inbox where members of the public or members of the federal workforce could send in examples of things that they believed were anti-American propaganda. And the EO lists a few You know, one from the uh, Treasury Department, uh, which apparently promoted arguments that virtually all white people, regardless of how woke they are, contribute to racism and that instructed small group leaders to encourage employees to avoid narratives that Americans should be more colorblind or let people's skills and personalities be what differentiates them. Is that the best purpose for training, I would wonder? So that is, I think, up up to you and I think individual employees to decide. But the EO also cited some other examples at two national laboratories and a Smithsonian museum as well. So they did find examples, although they weren't very forthcoming with those examples when that first memo came out. But I think we're now getting a better idea of what exactly the administration is after here. 
We're speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. So you mentioned that employees could be disciplined for this kind of thing and also maybe comment on the fact that the EO seemed to put a lot of emphasis on training of this type that is provided by contractors. So, Tom, I think the big thing from this EO is that federal employees could be disciplined for authorizing or promoting training that really one of these political appointees who's, you know, appointed to oversee the implementation of this EO might not agree with. And I think the way the EO is written poses some questions and some confusion for many people. Namely, if you're responsible for choosing or implementing a diversity and inclusion program, is my current one okay? Does it touch any one of these divisive topics? And if you look at the divisive topics, I mean, some of them, and in speaking to federal employment attorneys about this, you know, they say a lot of these concepts are unobjectionable. I mean, one race or sex is inherently superior to another race or sex. I mean, I think you could say, well, who would agree with that? Who would promote some sort of concept like that in training? And so I think what some of these concepts are doing is they're kind of curious for maybe diversity and inclusion program managers who might look at their training and think, you know, I think it's okay, but I'm not sure. I spoke with Reginald Wells. He's a lecturer for the American University's School of Public Affairs, and he's a former chief human capital officer at the Social Security Administration. And he says, you know, the training that he implemented, he didn't think, you know, touched one of these divisive concepts, but he does see, you know, a possibility for people to look at this EO and really see some paradoxes in it and really question, is my training okay? Will I be disciplined for implementing it? And I think some of the keyword concepts that you mentioned as well, Tom, might also pose some of those questions. But when you do a keyword search and you find those words, that doesn't mean the training is pushing that particular point of view. I mean, I can imagine training where the output you want from this training is for people to act towards one another in a certain way, whether it comes to relating to colleagues or considering people for promotion and hiring. So in the course of training for that type of behavior, you might explain that these concepts exist without necessarily pushing the concepts on people to accept them. So that's why the executive order could be troublesome. That's true. And I also think that What's behind the executive order, whether you think your training program does push some of those concepts, it really might depend on your own experiences, maybe your own biases, maybe your own interpretations of the executive order. And when it it comes to disciplining someone or barring federal contractors from doing business with the federal government, something that shouldn't be so subjective, but this executive order very well might be subjective, I think it puts those two pieces in conflict. And I think that's what is troublesome for, you know, former senior executives like Wells and also some federal employment attorneys who I spoke to Tom and they were baffled by the possibility that someone could be disciplined for engaging or promoting training that the administration thought was inappropriate. And we should also point out, and I think Jared Serbu has some more reporting on this, but in my reading of it, it looked as if the government, the White House, wants the contractors to not present that same type of training to their own employees. And if found to be offering it to the government or to their own employees, they could face debarment or suspension. So implications go all the way around here. 
That's right, Tom. That is what the executive order says for federal contractors. There's also some requirements about inspector general reviews to make sure this training is, you know, compliant with the EO. You know, one thing I, I do want to bring up is let's say someone is possibly disciplined for promoting training that the administration and is doesn't agree with and that this executive order is perhaps contrary to. You know, I spoke with two federal employment attorneys, Lynn Bernabey and George Schuze, and they they both have years of experience dealing with discrimination cases, federal employment cases. Both of them said they thought that federal employees could be protected by their First Amendment rights for possibly expressing an opinion in implementing this training, and that that might protect them if they did uh, incur some sort of discipline or adverse action for perhaps not implementing the correct kind of training. Well, I guess it remains to be seen how this thing plays out. But meantime, federal executives at the highest levels and their political appointees have a lot of job to do, a big job to do, to collect all the data and spending on this. And that's also due to OMB shortly. That's true. And I think we'll see some more examples as to how individual agencies are implementing this thing. We've already seen places that are maybe pulling back on some of their diversity and inclusion programs, citing this executive order as a reason for it. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out her story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.